welcome to episode three of Select Match Type. I'm Simon Calgill, joined as ever by Christopher Ellis. Hi Chris, how Hi. are you? I'm very well, sorry yourself, how are you? I'm alright, I say I'm alright. I've uh, found out today that I need a root canal, so that's going down tomorrow, which will be exciting for me. I'm sure that beer will help. That <laughs> uh, been up to much this week? Uh, not a great deal. I, try, I considered watching Stomping Grounds. Yeah. Even though the title annoys me because it should be Stomping Ground and not Stomping Grounds. Well, they shouldn't call it Stomping Ground or Grounds. They should stick with the, the classic... Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. Classic bragging rights, as uh, Michael Cole once said. Classic. Yeah, um, so last time I uh, teased at the end of the previous episode that we were going to the summer of 1998, um, specifically SummerSlam. Um, and I talked about two factions that were feuding. So what we're going to focus on this week is The Rock versus Triple H. You might have heard of them. Uh, just the 24 world title reigns between the two of them, which is pretty mind-blowing. Triple H will hit about 50 by the time he uh, retires from WWE. Another way of looking at this match is that it's the Scorpion King versus a generic Blade villain, which I think one of their um, one of their acting careers probably became, went on to bigger things than the other, it's fair to say. Although Batista was busy slagging off both John Cena and The Rock this week on Twitter. I didn't see that. What's he been saying? Batista has been saying how he is a proper, how he's a proper, he's not just a big blockbuster star, how he's working with people like Jodie Foster and how he's developing as a character actor. Where the uh, other guys are quite happy to be in the big blockbuster summer picks. He has worked, the, the actors he's chosen to work with and the directors he's saying he wants to work with going forward, he definitely sees it being more of a long term career goal and actually acting further on into old age when he can't do the blockbuster type stuff anymore. I yeah, think. maybe. Or maybe they're just teasing Rock or Cena versus Batista at next year's WrestleMania and laying the groundwork. Possibly. I just think it's a bit hypocritical for someone whose most famous role is Drax, and he's also been a Bond villain to then say, well, you're just in it for the, the big um, blockbusters. Harvey was also great in Hotel Artemis alongside Jodie Foster. You, you're really big on the, the Jodie Foster Batista link in this. this is, it's, he said a lot of actors he worked with, and I can't remember everyone apart from Jodie Foster. Um, anyway, hi this, this chat's falling. This chat's yeah. falling down. Hi, hi Jodie Foster. I assume you're listening because you've had more mentions than anyone else in the in the podcast so far. If anyone listening to this and retweeting on our Twitter feed, could just hashtag Jodie Foster or at her, <laughs> just so we get that celeb support. I don't even care about Batista. Just leave him. Just hashtag Jodie Foster. So SummerSlam 1998. Um, Something I noticed straight away, the um, artwork that was on the network, and I'm pretty sure it was on like the VHS cover, which is the main event, which was Austin versus Undertaker, both as giants um, over the top of New York City. Um, Austin with the flame from the Statue of Liberty, and I think Undertaker's got the Empire State Building, they're about to hit each other with it. Yeah, something like that. The, the drawings added about at least £100 onto each of them. They both look, they both look quite blobby coming out of shape, Possibly. coming into the air. You know what I've just thought that might be? Because this was summer 98. Was it 98 that Godzilla came out? It could well be around. Or was that 97? No, I think it may well be around that kind Maybe of Maybe they're linking in because it's also just, set in New York. You're just going to need to fill while I quickly IMDB this. So it's the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. I've um, not seen the more recent versions um, 98, you're quite right. 
And I love the fact you decided to film not on the wrestling or the match. The fact you decided to film Phil on Godzilla. Godzilla. On, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. Let's start on Godzilla for a cut. I mean, <laughs> Matthew Broderick is great. It John Reno also likewise. Um, right, so this is the third episode um, where we focused on ladder matches. It's also the third episode where we've had the Intercontinental title on the line. Um, I think that probably links in with the Intercontinental title being at the time um, for people that were sort of predicted to be big in the future, which is why um, you know we've got the Rock and Triple H quite early on in their careers. Um, it's is... quite right when you say about careers being pushed. When you look at who we've had, we had Michaels winning a continental title, so and then big push on the world championship. Jericho winning the continental title against Benoit again shortly before his big push, and then the winner of this that we'll just get to another. Spoilers from the summer of 1998 there, Chris. <laughs> if you haven't, go out, watch the match, come back if you want to listen to the uh, spoilerific detail afterwards. But please come back. Don't just turn us off and then just don't come back. And France won the World Cup in 1998. Uh, so what do you remember about uh, this event, this match? I, rem- I remember this being a really, really strong time for WWE or WWF as it was back then. 98 must have been WWF. Yeah, WWF. Didn't change to like 2002. No, so as, as we were saying before off-air behind the curtain, the strength of the pay-per-views around then... We came, we came fully loaded, fully loaded before this one, with the Rock Triple H two out of three falls match that went to the draw, and then after that we came on to Breakdown and then Unforgiven and then into Survivor Series, really strong series of pay per views. I actually bought. That's how that's how strong they were. I actually had, actually had them in my collection and classic rewatches as well. There's a lot of great matches spread over that period. Yeah, so just um, we were watching rewatching this on the network, and there was um, New Age Outlaws versus Mankind and Kane coming out after the match and beating Mankind up. So yeah, it definitely shows that the, um, the roster was strong at this time. You've got Austin and Undertaker in the main event. Um, in terms of what I remember about this, I remember almost nothing. Um, I think through '98, after. Um, the Hell in a Cell at King of the Ring. I didn't watch much until probably Royal Rumble '99. Um, I just moved away from wrestling for some reason. I still like kept up a uh, similar that I do now, so I'll read the results and things like that. But yeah, I didn't um, remember a lot about this other than it being clear that these two guys were going to be guys, um, people that were pushed um, pr- pretty strongly. Um, I also remember that they were two. Um, Obviously, they were part of two big factions at the time, so DX and um, the Nation of Domination, um, who had some brilliant guys in, so really underrated guys like D'Lo Brown, who never had a bad match, really, apart from... Crippled draws. Crippled draws, um, and basically got held down for the rest of his career. But, yeah, that guy, um, he could really work a good match. So the build to the match, um, we talked about DX versus the Nation of Domination. So they were two massive um, factions at the time and they were feuding. Um, they seemed to, at the time, be on every Raw, every SmackDown. Um, D'Lo ended up winning the European title thanks to The Rock interfering in a match. Um, 
there was the um, there were some quite uncomfortable bits in the build up. Um, I don't know if you remember this at the time, but there was the DX um, doing an almost mock up of the nation with X Pac blacking up as Mark Henry. <laughs> Remember that? No, I've, I've completely blocked that from my memory in the same way the network has completely erased it from the, uh, the it archive. Hasn't, hasn't has it really not? enough, no. And just before the match, they have um, like a five-minute recap of what's happened, and that makes it on. They, they've drawn the line somewhere. They, they Black, have drawn the line somewhere. Although, as you say, they they cut out the rock kiss, kiss in China. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, what, what's worse? Well, I know what's worse. They, they, they found their line. Sexual assault, no. Blacking up, absolutely fine. We're not all Roddy Piper, but yeah. Um, yeah, so you talked about the rock forcing a kiss on China. That happens when uh, the nation lock DX in the locker room. China is in the ring with the rock um, on the back of them feuding and is about to start about to start fighting with them. Uh, turns out that they've been locked in the locker room, so The Rock gets, um, I think it's D'Lo and Owen to yeah. sort of hold her, and he forces a kiss on her, which, yeah, that's the future president of the United States forcing his will on what would become a porn star. Trying to fuck the people, much like the president of the US is now. There you go. Who foreshadowing? WWE. We could probably do two recordings of this. All hail our great leader, The Rock. Or, oh, you remember that guy who was going to become president? The Scorpion King. The Tooth Fairy. We'll just go back, just put both, just put both on and just remove one later on. Just we can edit this in four, four, four or five years' time, can't we? So it's fine. Um, we can't edit this now, though, in four or five years' time. Whoa, <laughs> slagging the editing off. I might quit. I, I won't quit. Um... So The Rock was, so you talked about Fully Loaded a little bit earlier on, so these two had um, a two out of three falls match. Um, the Rock was the champion, the Intercontinental Champion going in. Triple H um, thought he'd won it. It turns out that they'd hit the time limit uh, with it one fall apiece, so it was a draw. Uh, the Raw after that, they had um, a big all-out brawl and the Nation of Domination attack Triple H with a ladder, um, which... For some reason, who knew Triple H had power at this time? But that means that he can set up a ladder match. Yeah, I was, when we were looking at the preview and the build of this, mm-hmm. we weren't exactly sure why we had ended up with a ladder match at this point. At least it kind of ties in that the Rock attacked Triple H with a ladder, so he goes, "Ah, oh, you want to bring a ladder into the ring? Fine." Here we are. This is why it's on the podcast. <laughs> can't can't change it. Can't can't go back. No. Um, so into into the match itself. So we get the DX band coming out uh, first of all. So we talked about the we talked about the the five minute video package that had been on um, highlighting the the rivalry these guys have had. For some reason, the DX band didn't use that time to come out to the ring. So we get to see their bassist, their guitar player. We get to see all of them run out for some reason. Apart from the drummer who had actually set up in the ring, foresight. My, my highlight of this piece is drums, drums kick in, vocalists saunters out to the ring, guitarists and bassists come out, start slowly sauntering down, realise they don't have enough time to saunter down to the ring and have to start break into a trot to actually get in there before the initial riff kicks in. It's like they're um, playing test chords on the way to the ring to start with and then, are you ready? Oh shit, we better get down there. Yeah, they, they don't do a great um, 
great job of their uh, playing. Play, yeah, great job of playing their great intro. So I don't know if you remember around 2000 when DX move away from this version and they have the Run DMC version of the um, intro, which is the King of Rock, huh? the King of Rock. Huh? No. This was the time when every single episode of Raw and SmackDown had a Triple H yeah, 12 uh, minute uh, promo at the start of every episode. Ah. This is the start of a series of great impersonations that we're going to be laying into these episodes. Yeah. I want to hear Triple H do an impersonation, yeah, impersonation of me, to be honest. So. Saying that, I heard everyone talking about Dolph Ziggler's promo before Stomping Grounds. Was it really good? No, no, no it's not. <laughs> he, he feels the need to go back to the old school 80s of repeating every word. So we get a lot of Sunday night, Sunday night! I'm gonna beat you, beat you! Brilliant. It's a bit like uh, the Macho Man, it sounds like. Yeah, anyway. it's, it's like he's. He can deliver a decent promo a lot of the time, Ziggler, but this time it's like he's forgotten everything and he's just gone to shouting and hamming it up as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Big Ziggler fan, by the way, but that, I'm sure we'll get to some sort of Ziggler match in uh, in the future. Um, so, DX come out first, and China's with Triple H. Then The Rock comes out. He comes out to his old, um, old, old theme, which is, Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And very slowly goes through his catchphrases. Um, I love seeing the rock as this really arrogant heel um he just plays it so well the third generation guy who's absolutely loaded coming out of his 700 dollars shirts and the greatest intercontinental champion of all time as he calls himself he is he does look great at this point obviously mark henry with him as well world's strongest man yeah mark henry doesn't look anywhere near as he, as good as he does towards the end of his career um has he gone through sexual chocolate here, or is that a bit later it's on? It's later on. Yeah, sexual, sure cho- so. sexual chocolate is around the uh, same time as the hand baby and so that's everything like else. Late 99, early 2000. Yeah, that yeah. kind of time. So he's just a big guy, um, looks not particularly charismatic. and No, he just looks, he just looks, looks impressive. Like a, mean, a, mean, a mean old man. He's the old school enforcer for these kind of factions. Yeah. Um, okay, so both uh, both guys are out. Um, China with Triple H, Mark Henry with The Rock, as we talked about. There's also in the ring a very young Mike Kyoda making his podcast debut. And we see him, uh, The Rock comes out with his title so he can do his pose on the ladder. And then we see Mike Kyoda take the title off him and put the belt on the hook. I can see why they haven't done that in every other ladder match, because that took about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I quite like the look of attaching the belt and lifting it above the ring now. Fine, but how difficult can it possibly be? Mike Kyoda, clearly, very, clearly, clearly very, very difficult. I've, I've never done it, so maybe it's the toughest job in the world. But um, Something else to notice straight away as, as they're coming out, um, we've got the old school Madison Square Garden with the entranceway right in front of the hard camera. Talked about it previously, but I absolutely love it. It makes it feel really special when there's a pay-per-view like that. It it wouldn't feel as special if every single sh- if they were like TNA and every single show is in the same arena. But you you know when it's Madison Square Garden, and I, I really like that. Um, the looks of the guys then. So we've not really talked about this with with um, the other matches, but Triple H um, has the the bright purple tights instead of the the trunks that he will move to in '99 2000 when it's um, 
the pretty much him gets, running roughshod over over the wrestling world. His his wrestling gear gets progressively shorter as he goes along. He starts with the four length tights, and then he moves on to the three quarters. No, he he goes to the tights and then goes to the three quarters in like the mid two thousands when he was having loads of problems with his quads and stuff. Because oh, okay. when he's um, feuding with Goldberg and Steiner and stuff, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's when he has it. When he looks. Um, I think it was a similar time to when Ryan Giggs had all the trouble with his hamstrings. You know what Ryan Giggs helped with? You know what really helped Ryan Giggs with that, though? <laughs> Yoga. <laughs> At least his brother's not bitter about it. No, no. He's made an advert to show how not bitter about it is. An advert is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> right, until they start paying us to start advertising on this podcast, we're not going to start running through this particular bookmaker's adverts. No. If you want us to plug you, pay us. Okay, so um, Triple H also looks a, a bit skinnier than, or maybe I'm just comparing it to the modern day um, short hair where all he does is work out constantly. He has very little else to do. He goes Monday to Friday, 9 till 3, runs NXT, and then just goes, goes to the gym. gym. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Um, the Rock looks almost exactly the same as sort of classic 99 Rock. His hair is slightly longer on top, but he's got the... The eyebrows there, the he's got eyebrows, amazing. <laughs> the people's eyebrow is there, he's got the sideburns, he's got the uh, the boots with the, the groove over the, the calf. Yeah, this is The Rock um, about to start a big push and yeah, he, he really looks the part. Um, you, you can tell he's starting to recede, I, I can't really talk, but I've, I've not shaved all my hair off yet, so I'm slightly ahead of you. You, I'm directing it straight at the <laughs> rock. <laughs> um, both guys' move sets are very similar to what they are um, later on in the career. So Triple H does his face buster and the high knee, just things that you'll see him do constantly over the next um, ten years or so. If it was John Cena, people would be saying the same old shit, but it's the Rock and Triple H, so they get away with it. This match, as we were saying earlier, if it doesn't run the way a tri- the ladder match we've seen so far. And a lot of the other other matches are going to go. There's no particular, there's no high massive high spots. Even there's not a great deal of actual offense with the ladder as a weapon itself. There's a lot of impact onto the ladder, a lot of using the ladder on limbs, but not as a blunt force weapon as we see in the other matches. No, there's a couple of like um, chest shots. There's only one shot to the head, and that's with uh, a baseball slide, which we talked about it being a um, like a usual spot, but this one is is the best one I've seen so far. So it's not the ladder folded up; it's the ladder um, opened out, but led on its side. And Triple H manages to do a baseball slide and kick it straight into the rock space, which is uh, opens him up. And I think that's the first time we've seen blood on the. That's uh, yeah, that's the first ladder match so we've covered so far that we see someone start to bleed. Yeah, Jr. talks about how he thinks the rock's broken his nose. Um, he didn't look like particularly wonky, but yeah, he's definitely bleeding. His nose is spectacularly low since his forehead is covered in, or spectacularly high, sorry, since his forehead is covered in blood. That's true. Yeah, I don't know how he's bleeding from his nose out the top of it. That's not really usually how it works, but never mind. Um, some of the other spots then, so Triple H, and again, this is something we've seen from other ladder matches. So Triple H getting catapulted and whipped into ladders. Um, there's wrestlers taking forever to climb a ladder the rock in particular who takes at one point forever to climb up 
Triple H manages to get into the turnbuckle, do an axe handle off and knocks the, the rock off, which makes um, the rock fall into the ropes and the ladder fall down onto Triple H. Stuff that we've seen before. Still brilliantly well done, though. That's, yeah. These, sta- these staples of ladder matches, when they're done well, they don't get old. They still look great now. Yeah, definitely. Um, most of the match basically plays up on Triple H having a knee injury. Um, this is where some of the shots of the ladder being used as a weapon come in. So the rock puts it around his knee and stamps on it and hits it with a chair. Again, like Chris said, it's not um, hitting someone in the face with it, but they're using a ladder where it could be anything else, really. Um, and something I noticed uh, partway through as well, there's um, a lot of... So as we talked about, the rock is the heel at this point, but there's a lot of let's go Rocky, Rocky sucks chants. Um, this is just after the Rocky Maivia die, Rocky die chance that used to haunt him, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell who's the face and who's the heel in this match. If Lawler wasn't so in the Rock's corner, we really wouldn't know. The King is obsessed with the Rock. Like, everything he does is the greatest thing in the world, which is the big um, hint that he's the heel. Um, he does have a point when he says, though, that um, he talks about the damaged ladder and how we might need a replacement and JR is furious are you kidding me <laughs> who are you tool station <laughs> I think he's got a good I think he's got a point though why should there just be one ladder if it gets damaged it's going to ruin the match Mark Henry showing himself to be both brains and brawn by throwing in the ring another ladder exactly which again JR was very much not happy about we don't need any more ladders here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Get your ladders out of here. Yeah, never heard someone be as um, as angry about something so helpful. He's, he's helping the match flow better. Well, his mother was eaten by a ladder. We can't verify that's true. Well, is it false though? You know, there's a 50-50 chance. That's what I heard. It's either, it's either true or it's not. Other spots then. So there's Triple H... Um, being knocked off a ladder um, and he falls into the uh, into another ladder that's been set up in the turnbuckle and that knocks the rock off onto the ropes. Again, it's um, something that we've seen before, someone falling off a ladder onto the ropes, but a uh, slight twist on it this time in the Triple H has been knocked off the ladder into something and then fallen backwards. Um, that leads into the rock doing a scoop slam um, onto the ladder, uh, which is perfectly positioned for the people's elbow which um, the, I don't know how much how painful it would be for me to drop a, an elbow on you while you're ladder, led on a ladder. Would it be any more painful than I don't usual? believe it would be any, any more painful in the same way that Triple H lying under a ladder while The Rock hits it with a chair. Is it the way? Yeah, so The Rock's led under the ladder. The Rock lays on the ladder. Triple hits H, yeah. a chair. It makes a brilliant noise, but I don't think it's going to be painful in any sort of that way. That ladder must be bruised or anything, though. The ladder must be. Ladder must be really that's, that's why Mark Henry's the real hero in this match. He's giving the ladder a break, getting a second one involved. Uh, another moment of commentary. So JR talks about China and Mark Henry potentially coming to blows and goes on to say China will be no match for Mark Henry, so let's hope it doesn't come to that. Gender equality, ladies and gentlemen. True, but if it really did come to it, Mark Henry was 6'5", 6'6", and about 400 pounds. It's not, it's not real, Chris. <laughs> if they came to blows, I just don't believe that China would beat up Mark Henry. And I, I know, I know, in a wrestling podcast, and we start debating who might, who <laughs> might really beat up who. Who would win in a fight? A shark? <laughs> it feels like we're going that sort of way, but yeah, um, 
JR and Chris, similar sort of views on the world, I would say. <laughs> Chris also hates anyone wrestling in a cap or, or piercings. So. Another moment that um, is copied from another match. Um, tri- Triple H manages to pull his tights down, um, or his um, trunks down, sorry, and we see the rocks bum out as he's climbing. As we go, again, as long, along with baseball slides and falling off a ladder onto a rope, bums will be a common factor in these ladder matches. Throughout the history of wrestling, I think bums are going to come up. But yeah, it's, it was straight in front of the camera. I'm going to pull you down. Oh, there's your bum. Uh, he does pull him off into a pedigree. He doesn't pull him off. That's uh, Pulls him off the ladder. Don't, don't know how to phrase it. It's fine. Into a pedigree. Um, and then Mark Henry, I mean Mr. Fuji. No, it is Mark Henry. Throws flour into Triple H's eyes. Not seen that since... Um, WrestleMania 9. WrestleMania 9. <laughs> I thought Hulk Hogan was going to run down and, and rescue The Rock, but or rescue Triple H, rather, but it doesn't happen. Jetro at this point says that Mike Kyoda is preoccupied with China. Um, they both start climbing up the ladder. China gets in the ring, gives The Rock a low blow. So I guess Mike Kyoda being with China is pretty irrelevant since people can just interfere. Just turns back, he's there with her, and then runs off, obviously, to see what Mark Henry's up to after yeah. the powder's being thrown. They didn't go through the rules before this one, like the uh, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon. So they didn't clarify that Mark Henry can't throw flour, but China can low blow people. True. JR doesn't seem to mind that, but a- another big hint that uh, Triple H is the face in this in this one. Uh, yeah, and then Triple H, blinded on top of the ladder, swaying around, manages to grab the, the title and win the match. What were your thoughts, Chris? This is my favourite of the matches we've covered so far. Not It hasn't had the use, the big high spots or big moments of the previous two matches, but the way this one interspersed a, a normal-style wrestling match with the ladder match, and the way they use the ladder to accentuate the parts of wrestling, such as the knee injury to Triple H and The Rock capitalising on that and using the ladder as a weapon for it, made it stand out more than the previous two to me. Yeah, um, so I agree to a point, but I don't think the you could have had this match as any other no holds barred match, and it wouldn't have taken much away. Um, you said that there wasn't really any massive ladder spots; it was mainly just used as a as a weapon for things like lying on top and hitting someone with a chair. That could have happened in any other type of match, so. Yeah, I, I liked how physical it was and um, how it was clearly showcasing two guys that they were putting a lot of trust in going forward. Um, but why it had to be a, or why it was a ladder match as opposed to another one, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe they uh, were trying to recapture the magic they, they've had previously with Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, um, and, and other ladder matches just to highlight, well, these are, these are our next top guys. Um, interesting that so we've had the three the one the three matches that we've seen so far have all been intercontinental titles uh, matches and three face teams have, have won these in, in singles matches. I guess it's a quite a big payoff to see a face win a, a ladder match. Yeah, true. I hadn't thought about it that way. Way, and you look at who takes a lot of the damage in some of these matches so far. The first match. Razor takes all all the blows, all the offences from Sean, yet Razor wins. Jericho, Benoit, 
fairly even split with who does who yeah. do what. Whereas this one, Triple H again takes all the blows, Rock delivers all the offense, and then Triple H wins. So two faces win after taking huge amounts of. Yeah, I definitely think that this one's a bit more balanced than the Razor Ramon um, Shawn Michaels one. Um, in the the Rock does take quite a, a bit of doubt. He takes a finisher. He takes a he bleeds in the match. Um, but I take your point that the Rock definitely um, is on the attack in the match far more than Triple H. Um, I did, it'll be interesting to see how that compares with because obviously um, matches we've done so far aren't in chronological order so it's be interesting to see if we go through if there's ever a change between it being faces versus heels if it's a change between it being singles versus tag um, tag matches and, and that sort of thing yeah, we'll I see. say it's interesting I will find it interesting we'll probably no one else will well, we hit episode 87 of ladder match <laughs> the ladder match season and then we'll see how we're here. See if anyone else has either kept the will to live or actually has any interest in anything we have to say about the uh, the statistics around ladder matches. I'll get, I'll get my spreadsheet out. We'll put it in a pivot table. It'll be fine. Um, you mentioned while we were watching as the match came to an end that it was your favourite so far, but you thought you'd probably give it a lower star rating. So is that because it wasn't just... Uh, wasn't because it was a pure ladder match? or? Yeah, that's... It's, that's exactly it. The the match is my was my favourite so far with the action involved and the use of the ladder. However, as an actual ladder match itself, it doesn't match the standards that set by Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. Hasn't matched the the sheer in, ingenuity and what they did and the history they set. Therefore, a lot of these ladder matches we review may may come a little bit short, even though I enjoyed them more. Just the actual standing and what they mean to the business may made them fall a little bit short on the Ramon Michaels. Okay, that's fair enough. So what would you give it as a as a star rating? Four star review for this. Four stars for Four you. Four stars. Uh, I've gone slightly lower. I always tend to go lower. I think I'm a harsher critic somehow. Uh, but mine was three and a half stars. Um, the official star rating for this was 4.25. Um, so we've gone 3.75 if we split the difference. 3.75. Um, compared with 4.25. Um, I think we have gone lower than the official on every time, but clearly we just we are just harder to please. Yeah, obviously. Just we hold ourselves to a better standard is is a way of looking at it. No, um, no we don't. <laughs> definitely not. Um, so focusing on what happens next with these guys, so. Starting with The Rock, we'll start with The Loser, not sure why we've done that, but um, he will, in three pay-per-views time, so he goes, uh, the next pay-per-view goes on to become the number one contender, and then wins the title in a tournament, is yeah, it a Survivor Series? It's a string, right? but if I remember rightly, yeah, he becomes the number one contender, the next, paper, the next pay-per-view, wins the, cage, wins the cage match to become number one contender, and then the following, following pay-per-view, I believe in can't remember where he was involved because the following one was the Undertaker came with Austin the special guest referee and then so that finishes as a no contest and then we move on to the tournament at the Survivor Series the Deadly Games tournament I'm thinking back I'm thinking whether The Rock gets a bye in the first round because he's the number one contender oh, maybe. 
Yeah, because there's any other number one contenders match at the next pay per view against um, was it Shamrock, Shamrock and Mankind? Yeah, that's the cage match that he wins. So that gives him a buy into the into the semi final or the final. Yeah, I think that's yeah. we we'll stand to be corrected there. Yeah, but the the point is that it seems like they've taken the Intercontinental Title of the Rock in this match in order to weirdly push him further um, up the card in the next couple of months. Um, and then he'll stay at the top of the card probably up until WrestleMania 17, with the exception of a few injuries and stuff. Till he heads off to Hollywood full time. Exactly. Um, Triple H. Um, so he looked at a few of the pay per views um, after this, and it turns out that he wasn't on them. So watershed moment in his career where he's won a, a huge match against The Rock to win the title. But he's not on the next few pay-per-views. Turns out he's uh, he was working with an injury at this SummerSlam. Um, I didn't particularly notice that during the match, unless it was a leg injury and they were just hiding it through hiding it in plain sight. That's what they. I think that's what they were doing when they were playing up to the whole. Oh, he's got a knee injury. He actually was carrying a knee injury. That's why he had the brace on. That's why he was. He did look slightly wobbly on it. And then he gives up the title in September, goes away, has surgery, comes back a couple of months later. And then marries the boss's daughter and takes complete control of the world. The end. The end. Happy ending all round. <laughs> okay. Any Anything else to say on this one before we tease what our next episode will be? No, tease the audience. Tease, tease Tantalise them. them. Okay, so our next... We're going to take a big jump forward in time and we are going to focus for the first time um, we're going to focus on a ladder match that isn't for a title it's for a contract. It's not a contract that has been um, disputed in a ladder match much previously. In fact, I think this is probably the first time it's for the custody of a boy. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow us at Select Match Pod.